evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away three months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies. He receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will have to face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hogel at 518-474-8390 and voice your concerns to please keep Bradley in the United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. That's Governor Hogel at 518-474-8390. I have a brand new guest on. I have Terry Ann Frame on. She connects and engages with others in order to grow awareness in children, adults, communities, and schools of the many diverse issues surrounding bullying, human trafficking, mental health, suicide, depression, PTSD, and abuse of any kind. Using kindness, empathy, and emotional intelligence to inform and educate ourselves as a whole so that change can happen. Prevention starts by understanding and engaging. And she's part of www.cyberparentalguardians.com. I welcome you, Terry. And how did I... you get involved in all of this? Um. It was kind of by accident or by default. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back a ways, um, I unknowingly, for the human trafficking, this was before I even got in, was it before? Uh, yeah, it was right. I think I jumped on LinkedIn and I got involved with human trafficking right about the same time. And it was mainly the at the core of it, it was because I had dealt with some of this, these issues firsthand. Um, not, not just the court issues, not just the bullying issues. Um, stalking by, you know, by my ex-husband and um, people that he knew and um, that kind of, I guess you could say, ingratiated themselves into my life. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea at the time. I mean, this is like going, you know, hindsight, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And hindsight also, I had some buddies of mine um, that introduced me to say like construction workers and fix it guys to help me move when I was moving to help me with repairs around a property that I was living at that honestly, it was a trap house, mm. but it had been painted and they put new carpet on it to make it look acceptable. Mm. And once you got in there and you started opening cupboards and drawers and you started putting, trying to put your end pack. Oh, still gives me freaking nightmares. I mean, it just makes you ill. The, I could never use the dishwasher, the refrigerator housing, and the refrigerator itself on like all up in the inside of the housing of it and the motor was full of cockroaches mm -hmm. and yeah. Um, and cockroach nests, it smelled weird and no, it was not the paint. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, um, and, um, so it's like, I got stuck there cause I was in a lease. So that right there, it was like some of the, honestly, the worst conditions I've ever lived in. Mm -hmm. And when I finally was able to get out, um, after a lot of, a lot of bullying. I mean, I was bullied when I was younger, but not like this. This was, to me, this was, per, this was way, very personal and business, you know, mm -hmm. it was like someone taking business and, and, and basically sticking it to you and saying, suck it because mm -hmm. you're, we have, we have you because you're in a lease mm -hmm. and well, no problem. We'll take you to court. We'll win. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, in code enforcement and code enforcement, 
housing authority, um, your 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 doctors tell you to move the hell out. You know what? I finally did. Mm. Um, and it was bad. It wasn't just the cockroaches. The place had been a dope house, like a grow house, a cook house. I mean, they did everything there. And when they came to, because I had, code enforcement had to force these people to do things that they didn't want to do, mm-hmm. like clean up, like clean up in the attic, like the, the broken air ducts that were doing nothing but spraying chemicals all over the house the whole time I was there, like for four months. Mm-hmm. I was, I literally had fiberglass and asbestos and things and all of that being ingested in my body and mm-hmm all over me for six months, six months, eight months. I couldn't take a hot shower. I couldn't be out in the sun because it hurt. You know, it really hurt. Um, and I'd never experienced anything like that before. And all through the middle of that, I was these construction guys that I, that I was introduced to who seemed to be kind of happy, go lucky, nice guys. Um, turns out they were involved in trafficking and God knows what else. They were introducing me to people, girls, they were like, oh, this is my cousin. Can you, could you, could you maybe help her out? And, you know, sure. You seem like a, a responsible person. And I'm almost be these girls' moms by the time, you know, by, by this time. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, you know, I wish you were my mom. I, I'm like, wow, how did you grow up? Yeah. You know, I mean, I may have thought I had it bad. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom was, you know, religious and we went to church every Saturday. And the other half of my family's and my dad's family's Oki and redneck and the rest of my family's Mormon. <laughs> so I had quite the mix. So when I say I grew up in the middle of the tracks or in the gray area, I wasn't kidding. Mm-hmm. So I was able to see a lot of different things going on. So it made me more accepting of pretty much everybody, but too accepting to where I was kind of, I was kind of stupid, you know? Naive. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I didn't know what human trafficking was. I didn't know what it looked like. I had no clue. But um, yeah, these girls were that I was introduced to, and I was like, "My God, what is what is going on with you guys?" Because it was like every time I turn around, there was just this weird drama, and it just it gave me a weird feeling inside. But where, but I was afraid to ask, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I did ask, I got all kinds of different stories. So I, but I had this, you know, you just get a sick feeling in your gut the whole time, the mm-hmm. whole time. So I finally moved out, and I'm going through my divorce all and and custody issues through the middle of all this. Um, that was part of the reason why I moved into that house. Thank God my daughter did not move into that house with me. Uh-huh. She would have been, she could have gotten sick, way more sick. She was like 10, nine, uh-huh. 10 at the time. Yeah. So it wouldn't have, it wouldn't, yeah, it could have made her put her in the hospital. Um, mm. yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's like, everything just seemed to compound on one on top of the other. I moved out, moved in with my folks. My mom had had a car accident. So I came here to help out. And, um, my dad didn't drive and I'm watching Dateline one night with um, by myself. All of a sudden I'm up out of chair and I'm hopping around the house and it's Ashton Kutcher talking about his organization, his company Thorn, mm-hmm. which is software for the deep dark web for, for law enforcement, other agencies to go in and it, it, it does. And he works with the Polaris project and, and other, and other, other organizations. I mean, it's, it's real high tech stuff. And um, going in there and and being able to root out, you know, the deep dark web, the black web, the, you know, the really, really down, disgusting underside, you know, underworld. Um, and he was saying, you know what, what I saw and when what I have learned, I cannot unsee and no one should ever have to see or go through. And immediately, all of a sudden, my brain just clicked. And I was just like, 
Oh God, no. Oh God, no. Right. I'm thinking mm -hmm. these are somebody, these are the girls that I came across that were like put in front of me saying, mm -hmm. please help them. Or sometimes I would just like randomly right about that time in my life, all of a sudden it's like, God, all of a sudden I decided, I didn't decide this. It was like, God, my friends were like, why did you decide to pick up a girl at a gas station in a rainstorm mm -hmm. and, and bring her to your house and feed her and clothe her and give her, you know, a shower and a hot meal, whatever. And, and then, and then I ended up sending her on her way, you know, and I didn't feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And people are like, why'd you even talk to her in the first place? Mm. Because she was standing there in the rain with a handful of mushed, mushed up cookies mm -hmm. and just kind of spaced out. Mm. Something spoke to me. She was the cutest little thing. She was so cute. And so just dazed and confused. Mm -hmm. Just to put it mildly. And I'm like, I don't know, just something spoke to me. And that was before I even knew what trafficking was. And I'm like, when God takes over your GPS, mm -hmm. you don't even know why it is you say no or why it is you say yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> you just do it. You just, yeah. it just, yeah. It's just almost spontaneous. You don't even, you don't even think about it. You just do it. And I was raised that, you know what? You help others. But sometimes, you know, that's kind of goes, it kind of can go wonky on you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it did many times. But um, yeah, I don't know what happened to that girl because later on I found out that where we dropped her off at is it were, they were her handlers. They were the people that were trafficking her. She didn't even know what town she was from anymore. Oh. I never did see her again. Couldn't find her. So did when I saw that, um, she was like, she was, no, she didn't even, she, I couldn't even get that out of her. If she was 18, I, I, I'd be surprised. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I'd, I mean, I couldn't even get that. These girls don't carry ID. Mm -hmm. They probably usually will not have a phone. You know? Unless they're, like, you know, hidden in plain sight. Like, you know, they're going to school. Like the Epstein girls, right? Like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've learned so much. And people are just like, how do you know this stuff? I've studied it. And you know what? I've seen it. So I know what it is. And I know what it isn't. And my daughter even knows how to pick it out now. Mm -hmm. we were out and about last summer and um she picked some she picked it out she like right in front of us she goes mom i looked at her and i go yeah i know look down don't look away don't look i said i've already i was already making notes and i was already you know getting my phone out ready to call 911 mm -hmm. and i don't know if they i don't know if they did anything i don't think they did anything to be honest mm -hmm. the pd where we were in that town where we were uh pretty a lot of corruption a lot. Yeah. And once I started speaking out against that kind of stuff, um, part of me wishes that I didn't. Um, my ex-husband comes down on really, really hard on me. He's used, he's tried to use my advocacy against me. Mm. Um, when I take my daughter to events with say foster children or children, um, that have cancer, um, with a organization called league of heroes inspired, Mm -hmm. which is led by an amazing man. He's the original Tony the Tiger. I'm sure you know that he wasn't always a cartoon. I know that. Kids nowadays mm -hmm. don't know that. Well, the guy that wore the costume would go to, and would go to like, you know, events, live events um, all the time. And, and he said that costume was so hot, they'd have to pour buckets of ice inside the top of the head just to cool him down. Oh. But he is a PhD mm -hmm. in psychology. He is very educated, very well-versed 
in family matters and on education. And he started the League of Heroes Inspired um, to work with traumatized children. I met him through someone I met on LinkedIn. So once I found out what this trafficking was, you know, um, yeah, I know it seems like I'm all over the place, but I, I usually end up wrapping it back around. I met people that I'm with now with the Global Goodwill Ambassadors, with the United Nations, Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have made friends in some really strange places because I went on LinkedIn and I, yeah, and my uncle was on LinkedIn. And he's a minister. So I'm like, what do you think? He's like, oh, me and my, you know, my cousin, we use it. And he says, I don't use it a lot. He says, but I think it's probably a safe bet because by that time I had already been hacked. My phone was hacked. My, my computer was hacked. Um, my Facebook account, somebody else had taken it over because people were telling me, hey, no, you're still on Facebook. I know you are because, and they showed me the picture. I'm like, that's pictures me, but that's not my account. Mm. So a lot of things started going really strange during my divorce. Mm -hmm. um, identity theft started going way back. Like my daughter was like a year old and I got mm -hmm. a phone call on my 40th birthday. I thought it was weird, but I'll be honest with you. The last name that I had, my married name, which I do not use anymore. I'm not using right now. My married name ever since I, it seems like that right there was kind of the catalyst for a lot of the identity theft and a lot of the weirdness. Um, Cause that last name was associated with criminal activity for a lot of people, you know, in the area where, um, where we lived mm -hmm. and um, where I don't live in that direct area anymore. Um, and that's another reason why I, you know, I kind of, I'm like, okay, I'll go live with my folks. Sure. Why not, man? <laughs> better there. You know, I can hide out there better than being out in the open, like a sitting duck in a crappy house. It's full of cockroaches. Right. Um, yeah. It's just a lot of things were going on. And in the meantime, the courts, oops, I just swiped you again. The courts are so bad that unless you're perfect mm -hmm. in their eyes, and I'll call it out because the judge that was on our case just retired this last year, just before January. Mm. All I can say is thank God. Uh -huh. But because the, the only good thing she ever did and the only kind thing she ever did in my, you know, towards me and where the only time she wasn't disrespectful and totally had disdain for me was the last time she was on the bench. Last time we saw her on the bench before mm -hmm. an interim judge came in, um, was last was, I think it was, um, it was like October, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. We had three different court visits just because she was retiring, um, just to get, a new or new orders written up that had been they're like oh, a little over two years old hmm. you know i mean because covid and everything else and then the and then courts were backed up there was only one judge for the entire county in san joaquin county that heard custody cases one judge she'd been on the bench over 30 something years hmm. you know i know that because i have a little church lady friend who's probably close to 70 years old right that judge was the same judge who did her custody case when she divorced and her son is like almost 20 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's like, she was on the bench when my ex and I were going to court for, for my son. And how old was he? Well, he was little. He was little. He's like maybe four. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? She said, no. And when a little church lady looks at you and says, Oh, that lady, she's dirty, 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 dirty bird. I'm like, wow. That right there 
is pretty drastic for a woman that doesn't curse or doesn't say anything bad. I mean, she's so sweet. She never says a word against anybody. But that right there, when we started getting to know each other, it was a friend of my, it was a friend of my, my cousins. And she, I mean, just she was like, what? Oh, no, you're in trouble, honey. I said, I'm already in trouble. Oh. If, you, if you go into court and you have a crappy lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or your lawyer, show, your lawyer has a bad reputation, which I didn't know that when I hired one of these lawyers. I just know it was like more affordable for me because it was more on a sliding fee scale. Right. Then it was, you know, like, you know, set, you know, I'm talking about the whole $250 an hour or more mm-hmm. and like a $5,000 retainer. No, they didn't do that. The kind, and let me tell you, I was doing most of the work myself because the lawyer, yeah, yeah the this second, this kind of second rate lawyer and her secretary, the, the office manager even told me, she says, you're in here in the office more than she is. I would go in and I would grab my file and make copies or I, I'd be running stuff to the courthouse and, and, you know, play messenger and dropping it off. The court clerks got to know me really well in family court. They're like, what are you doing here today? Oh, you know, my lawyer, she's off taking vacation with my money again. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so I went pro per twice in between before that lawyer and after that lawyer, because I everyone, some other lawyers were telling me, ew, you've got her. Oh, why? Like, well, because my ex-husband, what he did, and I found, and I didn't know this at the time, I was told this after the fact. I had lawyers turning me down, and these are some of the best lawyers in the area that were referred to me by friends of mine. I mean, close, trusted friends that are not friends of his, telling me, well, this is what I did in my divorce. This is who I used. I go see them. Right. I go to see them, and they're like, and they make an appointment for me and everything, and I would show up. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I've got, you know, by that time, I've got, you know, <laughs> a mile high of paperwork. And um, they would tell me, sorry, um, but we looked into it and we we saw, we we met with your ex-husband. We met with the other party for a meeting. And because of that, that precludes us from being able to work with you. Mm-hmm. I looked at them, I'm like, nobody ever told me this rule. Why couldn't you call me and tell me, oh, we just realized it. Oh, I'm like, can you refer me somebody who hasn't talked to my ex-husband? So he went around and met with, and for a while there, he was telling me, oh, I have meetings, I have meetings, or I have an appointment, I have an appointment. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? I know he wasn't going to counseling. He wasn't going to therapy. Right. He still to this day refuses to do it. He wasn't going to parenting classes either, which the judge had already adamantly put it in writing that we were both to go to parenting classes and do and do a lot of you know different things, right? Mm-hmm. I did all of that because I wanted to do it anyway, because honestly, this sounded kind of cool to me. And mm-hmm. I did. I had a great time taking that class and they videotaped those classes. So they know that you were there. So mm-hmm. when they sign your certificate and give it to the court, there's no there's no there's no faking that. Right. But um, but it was great because you got to meet other families and other parents, moms and dads. They're going through the same thing you are mm-hmm. and some worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, people are like, your divorce took five years. I'm all, yeah. Cause my ex-husband, he hired a lawyer that wasn't even a family law attorney in the beginning. And he filed papers and the papers served to me that got thrown out because they weren't done right. <laughs> he hired another lawyer again. And so it was like tactic tactics to delay. Right. For one mm-hmm. thing. Well, I don't have a lawyer and he's, a, and he, he works for um, the state. He's a, um, he works in the emergency services. So he's not even home half the time. Mm-hmm. 
So, so they would always say, well, if he doesn't have time off, we need to work around his schedule because he has the more demanding job is pretty much, I'm not, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. Okay. Right. Right. But that's what they were saying. The court, the same judge. And she would look at me and she's like, well, I see not, not much has changed. Where's your lawyer? I'm like, I don't have one. And I'm like, I can fill these papers out myself. I can be here and represent myself. She forced me into getting another lawyer, forced me. And another lawyer that I would have hired, some lawyers, and when I did meet with them, they found out who my ex-husband's lawyer was. And they're like, oh, no one liked her in the, in the, in the legal community. Number one, she wasn't technically a family law attorney. They're like, oh, she's doing family law? I didn't know she did family law. I'm like, oh. And then um, Peyton, when we were doing our divorce settlement, okay, number one, I have identity theft going back to like when we were still married, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow it spilled over into the courts during our divorce. Mm-hmm. His attorney had the same exact forms, but each one had to be filled out with the same information, but to different entities. When you're splitting up your your quadro, your assets. She had my date of birth wrong on one of them. Another one, she had my name wrong. Um, she had our wedding date wrong on another one. And, and then it turns out all along from the minute that she stepped on the case, the entire time, and it turns out she went to the same school at the same time, same law school, Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Then the lawyer that I fired, the second rate one that was always on vacation, they went to school at the same time. They knew each other. Hmm. So bells are going off in my head going, oh, no wonder they work so well together. Right. I mean, because Julie was always my lawyer that I the, the cruddy one. She was always like, oh, well, let me try and call her again right now. I'm like, where's your notes? I've been reading the notes in my file. I said, and at one point I was sitting at her desk and I go. And I pulled, a, I pulled a portion of the packet out and I go, whose file is this? It was some Rodriguez family or something like that. And I look, why is somebody else's stuff in my file? And I should have never seen it. It's confidential. Right. I said, but yet you have me doing all my own, you know, copies and, and, you know, I was paying for all the process serving. I was paying for all the fines and fees and everything right out of pocket, which is fine because it saved me on legal fees. But I was doing her job for her and making it easy. And somehow, all of a sudden, she slipped somebody else's file into my file. Turns out that 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 family's file is the case number that my ex-husband's lawyer was using from day one. And I kept saying, that is not our case number. In the middle of all this, the courthouse in in, um, San Joaquin County was being rebuilt. They were building a brand new one. They have it's a 13 story monster and yeah. it's the last county in California to get that type of courthouse where everything and you're talking each level is different. Each floor is for a different civil family law has one whole floor. Mm-hmm. The top the top floors are for state and federal. So it's an all inclusive building. I mm-hmm. mean, and that's where. Yeah, they got and then the jail underneath and the court clerks kept telling me. Well, we don't know. And the problem was, is that my financial advisor kept kicking the forms back to me and some of the forms kept getting rejected or lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, we've changed over to a new system. Um, Yeah, right. And then another time 
and they still do this. Have you ever seen this in, in court where they have these like file boxes mm-hmm. and they're open or unlocked? Anybody can go in there and grab whatever they want. Mm-hmm. At one point, our entire file, like our entire divorce and custody papers, everything, the whole the whole file went missing from the outbox at the court at the courthouse. Went missing. And everybody was pointing fingers at everybody. The poor guy who's the messenger, I know him. He's a really nice man. I see him around every time I go downtown. Everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. Saying, oh, it must be because of the new system. Or it got misfiled. or it ne- And it never turned up again. We had to start all over again at one point. Paperwork-wise. Mm-hmm. And his attorney is calling me when I'm on pro per. I'm calling her on the phone. She's, well, I don't have to talk to you. You're stupid. Oh. And I'm like, really? I'm stupid, huh? And I said, you do know I'm recording these conversations live. And she's like, you can't do that without permission. I said, I don't need your permission. All I have to do is just tell you. Mm-hmm. And she would hang up on me, call me names. When mm-hmm. I met with her in person, she would shove the papers over at me and say, just sign them. I said, I'm not signing anything because, well, who cares? You know, it's still your name. No, it's not. Not if you can't spell it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was constantly catching her errors. And my ex-husband's like, well, be nice to her. You know, she has MS. I said, I don't care what her problem is. So that has nothing to do. Her having MS has nothing to do with being rude. Has nothing to do. And if it does have something to do with making mistakes like that, mistakes over and over again, I said, then maybe you need to find another lawyer and she needs to retire. I'm just being practical there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at that point, I started treating things like business. Right. I got the, I got, That was the best advice yeah. I ever got talking about family court and family because it is it's personal and the judges look at you if you get emotional mm-hmm. or if you look like you're down and out or if you're if you look I was turns out I was sick for a long time I didn't know it it had something to do with something inside of me that should have shut down after my, my daughter was born mm-hmm. <laughs> I was t- I was being I made, my own body was basically poisoning me <laughs> yeah. so it, it affects your mental state mm-hmm. not to mention the PTSD domestic violence that happened during the middle of our divorce, we were already separated and not even living in the same homes. And he did it with our daughter jumping on his back, screaming at him to get off me. Mm. And he, and that was when she was eight and she's 14. She's 15 now. And she's, and she remembers it vividly. Mom, I'm sorry that dad, you know, lied to me. And, and cause he had her convinced that nothing happened for a long time. Cause that was the story that he wanted her to remember. Mm-hmm. Now my daughter has PTSD issues. I just took her to a special a child a pediatric neurologist just recently. So the domino effect. And I'm not saying that I'm not to blame, okay? I'm not obviously I, you know, I mean, I did stupid things, but evidently being emotional and taking things personally in court, they expect you to not cry. They expect you to not get upset or even even make a face. Or even like be like, oh shit, you know, or like you know, do that, anything like that. They want nothing out of you. They want you to be a robot while someone else on the other side of the table sits there and slams you and brings up everything and anything every time Mm-mm. that you've ever done wrong. And if you and don't like, cry, yeah. they call you right. crazy. Are you crazy Thank anyway? You. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You want to know what my ex-husband said to me the day that our the, 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 the divorce judge, which is a different judge, which I love him 
I told him I wanted to I wanted to hug him and kiss him. He says, not when I'm on the bench. Oh, <laughs> he, he, he like basically, OK, your divorce is final. That was like the six month after the six month period or right before it when they finally declare it finalized. And I looked at him, I'm like, oh, thank you. I mean, I that that was not planned. I was just like, thank you so much. And I jumped out of my seat. I'm like, can I hug you? And he was like, no one's ever asked that before. <laughs> he says, catch me later on my lunch break. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and my ex-husband walk out. He goes, boy, that was quite a show you put on. I looked at him, I go, what? And he's all looking like down, like he's like really upset and pouting. And I looked at him and I tapped him on the shoulder and I leaned in, put my armor on his shoulder. And I said, you know what? At least it's over now. That part's over now. We don't have to deal with that anymore. Look at it that way. Because mm -hmm. it was, it was horrible. You know, I mean, him switching lawyers, me having to switch lawyers, I had to because my lawyer wasn't showing up to court oh. or filing things. Turns out she was buddies with, you know, this other woman who had been using our, I mean, my divorce took five years and it wasn't just because he didn't have the money to buy me out. Mm. Right. It wasn't, that wasn't the only reason. My financial advisor was the one that was kicking things back and telling me, yeah, something's definitely wrong. You need to get to the bottom of this. I had to go to the state of California, my ex's work. And they usually don't, they, they usually don't deal with the spouses directly. I said, I have to come down there because I have something I need to show you. I showed them the original documents. I showed them the ones that I did. Mm -hmm. I did it myself. I did my own goddamn quadro. I, I figured it out. Okay, I saw how it was done wrong. And then I saw, okay, this is how you do it the right way. You know, like many thousands of dollars later. And I went to the courthouse and I said, look at this. She goes, oh my God. She goes, you do have the wrong case number. And it wasn't even, and it was a case that it was closed. For years, it was a dead case. She says, oh, my God. And then she looks behind her, behind me, I mean, behind the glass, on the other side of the glass. She looks at me, she goes, you know that woman behind you? I go, oh, God. She goes, um, she told us, she says, ma'am, she says, I'm sorry, but you have to step back over there and, and take a number unless, you know, unless you're with her. And I see, she said, who is that? So that's my ex-husband's attorney. She had followed me up to the window and was listening in. That was the day that I got the courts to finally do something and say, oh my God, this has to be reopened. Mm -hmm. So I refused to sign off on any of that shit. Mm -hmm. Excuse my language, I'm sorry. That's Ooh. okay. <laughs> I see this is, this is me getting emotional because I haven't been allowed to be emotional about it. But even still, I don't really feel anger inside. It's mm -hmm. more frustration. And I've talked to other people and they're like, Oh my God, how did you deal with that? I, for a long time, I didn't. I put my head in the couch like an ostrich and I wanted to stay there. I curled up in a ball and in, a, in, a, in someone's lap who I practically didn't even know only because they saw me crying and it was a friend of a friend. He's like, what is wrong? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just decimated mm -hmm. at this point because nobody would listen to me. Mm -hmm. Nobody would believe me that something was not being done right and that I was being railroaded. Because mm -hmm. that's what it looked like. And that's what it felt like. How does somebody make that many mistakes on accident? And how does the court overlook it for that long? Right? Mm -hmm. It was the wrong case number, the wrong people, the wrong family. Ugh. So, you know, not only did our file go missing, not only did we have to start over again that time, we had, I had to start over again and take over and do his lawyer's job for her to make it, to make it, make it work. 
to where everyone, I had to go in person. I, I was trekking up and down the valley, up and down mm-hmm. Northern California to go and meet with these people in person, putting money, in, you know, putting money into parking, money into gas. And, and I had to pay for faxes and all kinds of stuff. But I got, to, they got to the point where like, oh, we feel really bad because I, a lot of it is on them. They were accepting these documents, not paying attention that it didn't match anything else mm-hmm. because they didn't know. They don't have any originating documents. They only have what the lawyer, you know, sends. And my ex is like, oh, well, my lawyer already took care of it. So just sign it. <laughs> no, I'm glad I never. And you know what? It's a good thing I didn't. But one of the people that handles my ex's, um, one of his retirement things, his union things. She said, I'm not supposed to do this. She says, but you know what? I've been where you are. Mm. And her name was Emily. And that name came up several times in my journey during the divorce in different places. I mean, I called a hotline just to talk to somebody just because, just because I was doing research actually for the, um, for the um, depression and suicide thing. I ended up being transferred to the veteran side of the, of the suicide hotline because I'd never called the suicide hotline for myself, but mm-hmm. I know other people that have called it and I kind of wanted to see how the process worked. Mm-hmm. So, and she's like, well, my name's Emily who, and how are you? And that name, and she would call me once a month, check on me, even though she was from the veteran side. She's like, well, your dad's a veteran, so close enough. I want to see how your journey's going. Mm. Um, but the person from the union, her name was Emily also. It was just kind of funny how like, there was like these, you know, common threads and I became comfortable. I started being able to trust people. And these are perfect strangers I never met, but I couldn't trust the people around me. In my, in my immediate circle, right in my face, in my home, mm-hmm. sure as heck couldn't trust my ex. My poor daughter didn't know who to trust. <laughs> oh. She still has problems with that sometimes, yeah. Because um, her dad's constantly railroading and pushing, you know, agenda, like, you know, oh, your mom did this 10 years ago. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> and I try not to talk about that stuff because it upsets her. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, going back, it's like, and she said, treat in this, in this union rep, she said, I know it's hard. Treat him, treat it, your situation, treat him like business. She said it was the best advice she ever got. Mm-hmm. And she passed it down to me. And it took a while, say maybe a couple of months, for it to really sink in. But when you're sitting on the floor and taking over the entire living room floor with, with every single document, including triplicate and, and, and all kinds, I mean, some mm-hmm. of that stuff, I had four copies of it. And I'm here just, I mean, literally going crazy. I, I finally had asked my mom to get involved. Mom, I need you to look at this stack. And we were comparing notes and weeding out the bad stuff, mm-hmm. weeding out the, the BS, weeding out the, the documents that were not valid because they weren't either stamped or signed. That happened too. Mm-hmm. Stuff was mailed to me as being official, but it didn't have official official stamp and, and sign and signature on it. You know, they're supposed to have all of that, you know, and then, oh, this one has the wrong name. This one's so-and-so. And, oh, and so, and we were finding documents that were, they were stamped original that were, I mean, that I paid thousands of dollars to an attorney for. Right. And it's right. Not right. Right. And then later on finding out she didn't even recuse herself from my case. So I went to go hire another lawyer 
and I had to go. She goes, oh, no, we did it. And then later on, she looks through. She goes, oh, no. She goes, we, and then she tried to blame it on one of her um, her, her um, interns. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't try and blame other people. I'm just like, I just tell the story. Yeah. I just tell the story because I was in the middle of it. I was definitely not the one, you know, pulling the strings. But once I was able to get hold of things and get some and get some clarification, that is validating. That makes you feel like you are not alone and that you're not crazy mm-hmm. and you're not stupid. I mean, I know I'm not stupid, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's gets to the point where pe- nobody wants to listen because they're like, Oh, it's just the same stuff, different day. Mm-hmm. I lost friends. I have fam. My own family has turned against me and literally buddy right in front of me at parent teacher conferences. Cause my cousins have kids same age as my daughter. They go to the same schools. And the oldest of 10 cousins, some of my cousins would be at these parent teacher things, right? At the school. And they'd be talking to my ex-husband and ignore me. This is my family. Yeah. And that kind of stuff right there was like, wow, you really see what, where the world is Mm -hmm. just because, I mean, what? So he's a firefighter. He's a captain. He has a title and a badge that makes him valid and believable, you know? He has the house because because I didn't have the money to buy him out. Uh-huh. And, and he ref- he's like, I'm not letting you have it. So neither one of us is going to have it. And I was like, I want my daughter to grow up in a good school district. I want her to grow up in a good town. Mm-hmm. I want her to have family around her. And, you know, my cousins do live in that area. I want her to have friends and family that she's already knows that so she doesn't feel like her whole world's been ripped out. And some people tell me I'm stupid for doing that. But you know what? I did what I thought was best at the time. You know, so, and, you know, yeah, you go kicking your own butt later because then, then it's almost impossible to get any type of percentage of physical custody back. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The mm-hmm. last thing that judge did after every single time looking at me and shaking her head like, oh, you again, kind of thing. She looked at my ex-husband, first time ever, and sat there and looked at him and goes, you haven't done therapy? You haven't been to counseling? No. You know, your honor, you get busy, you forget about it. I side out of mine, and but you know, I work and everything. And he's like smiling, try to put on the charm. Mm-hmm. She looks at him. She goes, "You think this is funny? You've had six years to get your act together, buddy, and you haven't done anything on this list. Are you using a parenting app? Uh, well, no, because um, um, uh, she says I don't want to hear it. And then she says, "Did you?" Uh, she says, "I don't see a certificate here for parenting classes." And she looked at me and she says, did you do it? I go a long time ago. She goes, wait a minute. Yep, I have your certificate. Good job. First time ever that she was polite to me, actually smiling mm-hmm. and and telling my ex the what for. You've had six years, buddy, to get your act together. I'm like, why does she wait? And then I found out after we walked out that she was retiring. So I'm like, oh, so, so she's going to have, she's going to do one kind act on her way out the door. Or was it because she was forced to do it? Because there were so many complaints against her mm-hmm. that she finally had to set something straight. Mm-hmm. But now they're letting the mediators make the, make the decisions. The judge didn't even get involved this last time. Like, oh, we have a new judge. Good. Yay. I want to meet him. Didn't happen. And they let the mediator make. How does the mediator have? I don't understand why they're giving the mediators so much power. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's mediators in uh, Stanislaw County 
which is still in the valley, that walked out on the job last year. I know because I met one of them at the blood bank. Uh, don donating blood of all places. We're talking. <laughs> wow. and they all walked out on the job. All of them. Because they didn't like how bad the court system was. That's how corrupt the system is. Every well, I guess obviously everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they were desperate. And matter of fact, I went to apply for a job. I applied for a job with them to be a media. They said no experience necessary. We'll train you as you go. I thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, my psychotherapist tells me, you know what? You should you should be doing my job. You should be sitting in my chair. When your therapist starts telling you that. You're like, yeah, but dude, that's a lot of money to put that 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 tag on the wall. He goes, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. He says, but that tells you how much progress you've made. I've been seeing the same psychotherapist. Oh my god, probably at least six years, mm -hmm. and that helps a lot. And then having the people from LinkedIn that have your back, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know anywhere else you could go online and have it intermingle with your real life. I mean, you do end up eventually meeting some of these people and recruiting new people in person, mm -hmm. you know, people that you know, to go, hey, man, that's cool. What do you, you're a humanitarian. What do you do? And I tell them, and, wow, that's cool. Why'd you start doing that? Well, dude, um, which story do you want? Because <laughs> a lot of it was happening all at the same time. You know, how, how did you get out of the identity theft problem? I haven't. Oh, no. <laughs> Every oh, year, no. I would think I got it put to bed. And no, I own I own vacation property in Sonoma County. <laughs> Except it's boarded up and condemned and fenced off. <laughs> but they have a lien in my name. I call the county recorder's office. This is like by Napa, by wine country. Wow. It's very expensive, right? I've never stepped foot on that property. I've never even heard of it. And this same property keeps popping its ugly head up every couple of years. And I finally... <laughs> I find and my passport was stolen while it was still active. So I had to put the lockdown with Homeland Security and and um and um whatever ICE, you know, whatever, whoever it is that's doing, you know, all the department of, of what is it? I don't know, whatever department it is that handles the passports, they've changed things quite a bit. Uh -huh. But yeah, I've had to do that. I had to call, I've had to call and scream and yell and write nasty letters to and to anyone that'll listen to. Like, like I said, the county recorder's office laughed at me and she was like, oh my God, honey, I'm not laughing at you, but wow, she, we never heard of you. There's no lien in your name. She goes, and that property is dysfunctional. It's not, it's not even habit. It's not even, there's nobody in there, in that property. Like I said, it was boarded up. It looked like it was an old medical doctor's, like doctor's offices or something. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh my God, no. So she's like, I'm, and she finally, this is about three years ago or so. She says, I'm going to tell you something. She says, this is what you need to do. She said, you need to go over everybody's head. I go, what do you mean? She goes, this is what you need to do. And she gave me the phone numbers. She gave me the websites. So you need to go over everybody's head. You need to go to the feds because there is a federal division that oversees and they take care of credit bureau shit. Excuse mm -hmm. me. I'm sorry. There it goes. That's again. okay. Bad. I am so bad. But they oversee the credit bureaus and basically, you know, monitor them. And I did that. And still. They got it cleaned up so much so that my credit scores went down by like 300 points each because I got the fraud taken off. <laughs> you have to write a, letter, a separate letter and have proof behind every single incident. Hmm. That's not right. But they changed my date of birth on one of them. On my, I think it was my TransUnion or my Equihax. Yeah, I called it Equihax. I'm not misspelling it. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, they changed my date of birth. It made me 24 days younger. How are they, how, where do they get the permission to do that? 
mm-hmm. right? And my and so here I am. Okay, so now it's spilling. Now I've got my credit stuff all locked down. My I, I can't even file my own taxes without permission from me. <laughs> I have to unfreeze my taxes. <laughs> oh, they probably gave you a PIN number, right, and all that. Um, yeah, I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, because right when I have written that stuff down, my car's been broken into several times, right? And when I was moving, people would steal stuff out of my file boxes, and that would be the, the one thing they would steal was what I used to call my Bible. It got all my all my stuff in it. You're talking like social security card, you know, everything. Yeah. My my diploma from high school, my my commendations from the community for doing you know community outreach and national night out, whatever, search and rescue. I've been there, done that with a lot of different things. So people are like, what do you do for a living? Well, there's what I do for a living. There's what I do for love because I believe in it. Mm-hmm. Two different things. If you're able to merge the two, that's awesome. But it's not that easy. It right. really isn't. That's the sweet spot. Not everybody can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they got all this circus going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. You had a lot going on. Right. Right. And just when I thought, of it, I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. And my credit scores started to kind of balance out. They're like over six, like 600 to almost 800 now, which I don't even know how that happens. I didn't add nothing new. <laughs> somehow yeah. it went all the way down and that was last year in may and now this year in january all of a sudden they started to kind of come back up again i'm like whatever and i'm calling them on the phone saying okay i'm calling in for my annual re- oh you don't have to call in once a year your account's still frozen from when from last year the year before year before oh wow so all of a sudden the credit bureaus are, are behaving much better right because mm-hmm. i mean they've been hacked and they and took them a while to admit it <laughs> i knew about it before they even admitted it because I couldn't find my stuff online anywhere. <laughs> and neither could my bank. Huh. So, yeah. <laughs> First, I found That's too many. Scary. And then you couldn't find anything about me. And now, just I found out in the last three, four months, I got in a really bad car accident. Road, it was a road rage, in, road, road rage incident. Sorry. I lose my words if I get going too fast. But um, that is pretty bad. I mean, I'm still here, but the on the inside... Things have gone a little bit screwy. <laughs> this happens. This happens. Oh yeah, they call it TBI. Yes. Which really sucks because I don't like to slow. I don't. This right here is my weapon. This is my. This is me. Mm-hmm. Anything out here is physical. It's temporary, right? You get old. You get your butt gets too big. Your clothes don't fit. So your teenager takes them. <laughs> yeah. You know, but on the inside, I've always been very tried to you know pride myself on being intact of course i did go through that period of time with the divorce and everything coming at me literally whoo i was yeah i have to admit i was but a lot of people that's people couldn't make sense of it they're like oh you just sound like you're crazy but i wasn't and now looking back on it they're like i'm like i told you so i told you so about this and i'm like i shouldn't have to prove myself right right the only people i've had to prove myself to to be honest that I had to was the government, federal and state, and um, the credit bureaus had to. Oh, I definitely had a point to prove with them, um, but now it's spilling over into my medical. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the car accident, all of a sudden the um, the local ERs that I went to, they have two. They have my my social security number is not it's somebody else's, and the body parts that they say that they did X rays and stuff on are not mine. Well, now what do you do with that? Um, they don't even know what to do. So, because now that everybody, you know, wants, they don't have actual 
offices. They closed uh-huh. them during COVID and haven't reopened them. They've gone to online or telephone only. That's dangerous. That is dangerous because unless I can come down there in person, I told LinkedIn when I got hacked out of LinkedIn, I said, I've given you guys everything but DNA. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you want me to do? Send you a freaking poop sample or something? Yeah. I don't know. Seriously, I was getting ticked off. But LinkedIn, even within their own ranks, doesn't even know what, what, what one hand is doing and the other. It took me a year and a half or longer to get my LinkedIn account back under my control. Mm-hmm. Right? And somebody was actually out there pretending to be me using a picture from another social media profile. And I know people that were like, oh, no, I'm connected to you. Really? Because I'm not, you don't have, I don't have you on my list now that I'm back in and I got my, I mean, when you've worked since 2016, 2017 to build a reputation and build a, and build community, you know, in person and, and not across the world through the people that have the same objectives that you do mm-hmm. and the same heart and the same philosophy that you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I don't connect with people that disagree. I will talk to anybody. I will, I will have a debate with anybody, but it has to be, it has to be relevant. It has to stay kind mm-hmm. and it needs to stay respectful. Right. I've won people over before some dude in Spain that like, and my, my partner, he's like, Oh, I gave up on that dude. Why are you talking to him? He's all, nobody likes him. I said, well, I found a, I found a very um, friendly adversary in him. He's mm-hmm. like, you flipped him. I'm like, yeah. He says, what did he say when you guys finally started, you know, being friends? I said, he said he just wanted to see how far he could push people. And I was the first person that didn't say screw off. Uh Wow. The guy's a philosophy major or something like that. (laughs) Go figure. Go figure, right? So some people are just testing. They just want to see how far they can push it and how much you'll put up with. And if they're bullying you, they're doing it because they want to push their agenda down your throat. They're not really curious about what your thoughts are. They don't care. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't get involved in politics anymore. Mm-hmm. I stay in my lane because I don't think human trafficking, I don't think bullying, I don't think childhood suicide or any kind of suicide or any type of, you know, identity theft or stalking or domestic violence or anything, sexual assault in any way, shape or form to, towards anyone of any age is okay. I don't think being discriminatory towards anyone is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I quit going to church for many, many years to any church because I saw that happening within our ranks, within the Adventist church, which I was raised in. I almost decided to go and, and switch to Mormons, you know, to the other side. Mm-hmm. My grandma was like, um, well, well yeah. And, and my family in Utah would have been glad, you know, we'll, we'll get you, we'll find you a nice Mormon husband. No problem. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm like, no, it's not for me. So nowadays, you know, and I started going back to church and non-denominational is what I chose. When my daughter was little, I started taking her to Sunday school and preschool. And then I started volunteering in churches and volunteering for special events. And I felt a sense of community that I didn't feel like I was being forced into it. You know, like when we were kids, we just do what we're told, especially Mm -hmm. in the 70s and 80s. Okay. You don't question mom and dad. Okay. You just don't do it. Especially if dad drinks and he's mean and mom is like at her wit's end, doesn't know what else to do. So bust out, bust out a switch or a shoe. <laughs> so, which nowadays, oh my goodness, would be considered mommy dearest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I've never done to my kid, never. I mean, my goodness, I 
don't think I could catch her anyway, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's just, I don't think any of that is okay. And that's why I don't shut up. That's why I'm constantly, I mean, right now I'm wearing my, my underground railroad, our rescue hat. Mm -hmm. You can't see it very well, but that's what I'm wearing. Um, I'm wearing my t-shirt. I've got, I've got the sticker. I've got, I've got the, I've got the, the, the logo on my vehicle. It, mm-hmm. it looks really nice with my vehicle, by the way. It blends, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of I have a lot of people that I see pulling up behind me and literally riding my butt. They're up my butt, my back end. Oh. And I see them writing stuff down. And then they'll pull over aside me and be like, hey, right on. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Right? Sometimes you don't even have to say a word. Mm-hmm. Lead by example, you know? put yourself out there which be for a long time because of identity theft and because of all the weird stuff going on with my ex's lawyer and the courts i mean i had uh-huh. people following me his lawyer was following me around the courthouse mm-hmm. right Listening, trying to look yeah. over my yeah. shoulder seeing what i was doing because she knew that i was that i had no problem blowing the cover off of her bs i don't care if it was a mistake or not she must have known that she did it though on purpose but why else would she care to to, to follow me around like that you know, that's yeah, weird. It is weird. It was creepy. And when you look back and you find out that there were cameras downtown and sheriff's bailiff, the bailiffs in the court tell you that, hey, that person right there, they're not with you, right? I go, no. They go over, grab those people and they're like, hey, do you have a court case today? No. Out. Get out. I mean, the bailiff, the sheriff's department was seeing people looking over my shoulder while I was looking up information on the computers public computers that you have to wait your turn for right they don't have those no more they have a private room now in the new courthouse Hmm. so there's no more peanut gallery Mm -hmm. but yeah when the whole world is allowed to go in before they had the new courthouse they let everybody in there was all kinds of scary looking people sitting in the courtroom just there because they weren't there for anybody they their case they didn't have a case to be called right they were there and freaking hearing everything about my case and other people's cases. I got to hear other people's cases about like, you know, child abuse and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But still that does happen. But now it's like the whole floor is nothing but family law. You are in that courtroom. And if you do not have your name on the docket, you don't walk through those doors. You can Mm -hmm. wait out the hallway. So it's a lot quieter and it looks really empty. So it's, that's a good thing. Security wise makes me feel better. But the fact that I had to go through all of that, and have strange people walk. I've had people walking up to me and telling me, hey, I saw you at a party a couple of days ago. What? No, you didn't. I don't even know you. I never met you before. No, I saw you at a party. And, and I'm like walking my friend's dog while her foot while, while her foot was broken. I was dog sitting. Okay? Uh-huh. I don't go to that park ever unless, and I definitely didn't go to a party two days earlier or even two weeks earlier. I've had that happen so much. That I'm like, oh my God. So I've changed my name. I've changed my address. Nobody knows where I really live. (laughs) My date of birth. have to. My date of birth, I lie about it. I have a couple different choices. When you have dead relatives, it's really easy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I just tell people, you know what? I was born in 1969. You do the math. I'm proud of it. Um, Some people that I might trust once in a while, if they they care to figure it out, um, I'll tell you later. But um, a, a really good friend of mine did my, on my 50th birthday, did something like a numerology on me. Wow. That opens your eyes like to like who you really are and who you could be. Mm-hmm. 
right? And where you're going and what you sh and, and where you're at and where you're going to end up. It's really weird. But um, yeah, I, I just talk to people and they're like, oh, you're an Aquarius, aren't you? I'm like, if you can guess that, then you're, you know, then you're probably okay. Mm -hmm. Or some, I've had psychics walked up to me in the grocery store and she didn't even know anything about me. Huh. She took my hand and she told me, she says, you know what? What you're thinking is right. There is evil around you mm -hmm. and you need to be careful. You need to watch your back. Mm -hmm. I looked at her and I go, what? And then she gave me her card after that. And I looked at her and I go, and I was going through all of that crap with the property management and my ex-husband at the time, all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that property management company is owned by a real estate, a real estate conglomerate. I mean, they are huge, huge. They are like, they are like in almost half the state, the Northern state. Hmm. Yeah. And um, that was who I was up against. So, and they have got some sleazy people working for them. Sleazy. Right. You know, oh. to where other realtors and other property management companies, which I've worked with or worked for when I've been on the board of HOAs or I've been a bookkeeper or even when I was doing property management, I learned from the best, the ones that were actually honest and good people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like I said, I wear, I wear many hats. See, I wear many, many hats. Those are my, some of my hats. On the <laughs> you look really weird right now, but um, yeah, I mean, I wear many hats literally and figuratively. Um, because everywhere you go, you should be able to have a takeaway from there mm -hmm. and hopefully it's a positive takeaway. And if you can't find the positive, then, okay, then it was good that you walked away or good that you're not there anymore. Um, but yeah, finding the sunshine, you know, in the rain, mm -hmm. that's the only thing that honestly, I don't, I would be, I, I don't, I think that I would be a vegetable right now uh -huh. or, you know, I still had my head in the couch, you know, my head up my butt, like my dad mm -hmm. used to say, I mean. And I don't want to be there. I don't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. But so if you can't find the positive, if you can't find the good and be able to share that or share your story and have somebody else get some good out of it, um, then, then what good are you? You know, I mean, honestly, I just really don't think that anyone should ever have to go through anything like that, you know, mm -hmm. and I, it's horrible. I mean, we have enough bad stuff in the world to where, you know, if you're not, personally involved then why do you need feel the need to put other people down just because their religious beliefs are different right. or because their culture is different or because their political views are different i yeah. literally will go in to people's instagram you know and i'm friends with them and all of a sudden they'll be like you know, i mean really throwing some serious trash out there i mean just using bad words and everything mm -hmm. and i'm like do and I literally will put it. I won't even go there DMs. I'll straight out put it right there, right out there in the public. Do you really need to go there? Mm -hmm. Can't you just be nice and you know state your views without saying all you Trump people or all you this people are you know are idiots or you know y'all belong you know in the sewer you know mm -hmm. you belong in that swamp that Trump's trying to drain or whatever or mm -hmm. biden's an idiot so you must be one too mm -hmm. you know i see that and i and i and it's constant yeah why people's lives are hard enough as it is in person in reality okay mm -hmm. everyone is going through something whether you tell them whether they tell you about it or not right. whether you see it or not because like we were saying all the courts saw in me before all they saw in me was oh she's a mess Mm -hmm. you're a hot mess next 
Mm-hmm. And that's what they see. So that's how you treat you. They don't look below the surface. They have no idea what brought you to that point. Mm-hmm. They don't ask. They don't care. They don't care. No, they don't. And they keep forcing you to get in a new, they keep forcing you to have a lawyer. So, you, and then they keep forcing you to continue your case, continue your case. What? So they can get more filing fees? Yes. Do they really no. need the $7,500 that bad? Oh, I think they do. Oh God! You know, I think we're going to have to have another podcast because this is so interesting. But um, how can people reach you? Um, I don't give out my email very often, okay. only because I mean it's flooded already. Uh-huh. But um, but I can always be reached at Growing Miss Daisy. That's Growing M I S S Daisy, spelled like the the flower D A I S Y. Had to think about it. Um, at Growing Miss Daisy on Instagram. Um. I'm not sure if we have all of the current links on the website, which is the cyberparentalguardians.com, which oh. I know is a mouthful. Um, you can type in hashtag CPG or um, hashtag Miss Daisy um, or growing or, or at Miss Daisy um, and you, you'll find me eventually. And that's what I tell people a lot of times. You know what? Like, how do I get a hold of you? Like, and if you don't have a pen or you don't have a cell phone handy, I'm like, just remember this hashtag miss daisy mm-hmm. and you you more than likely you'll find me and or if you type in weird is cool hashtag weird is cool you will definitely find me at the top of that list my goodness i'm serious about that <laughs> i did i did i i did a podcast for um my my one of my one of my most respected friends um i never met him in person but i love him um thomas russell he's the writer of a book called finding your true north and he's all about bullying and and the trauma, writing about things like that. And I he's amazing. And I was on. It's called um, lim- it's like limitless or something like that, or mm-hmm. being you know finding finding your limit your limits or something like that. Life without limits. Sorry, life without limits. Thomas Russell. I'll give him a plug there. But um, and we were doing role playing about childhood suicide. And I was talking like, okay, it's like playing Russian roulette except that you walk out of the room and you've already given them the loaded gun and you're like, and he's like, but what's that like being bullied? I'm like, well, you know, say like, Hey Thomas, you know what? I could walk up to you at school or something. And I say, you know what, man, you're weird. You know, I don't like you because you're just weird. And then I go, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I just called you weird. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and he goes, no, he said, I think I'd take it as a compliment from you. He's and and both of us together came up with all of a sudden we're like, but weird is cool. Right. Mm-hmm. And I go, I go, oh my God. And next thing you know, I'm getting phone calls and texts on my phone while I'm online with him from my partner in Chicago of the, the, the parental guardians. He says, that's it. Hashtag weird is cool. We're going to town on this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not claiming that I own it, but <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I see it on t-shirts here and there. <laughs> well, Hey, uh, don't jump off. Slam the Gallows, the podcast, help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Join us again here with Terry in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you, Marianne. (laughs) 